You guys ready? I'm ready. Stop touching stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Test of patience this podcast. Oh. It's got to be a better way. Don't move. Don't talk. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are you done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome to the Concrete Podcast. I'm here with John Schuler, Joe Bates, and Martin Duckett. Yeah. Hello. In one room. At in, one table. In one on one continent. Yeah. There you go. Pretty amazing. To get through four big egos in one room, it's quite impressive. It's gonna be the best infomercial ever. I'm just gonna say three. Oh three, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Why's well, Brandon got two of them? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me and my I talk in third person too. So, so what do you want to talk about? Kodiak? I want to talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> How great I am. How there good I look. Yes. That's nice. Yes. That's nice. Yes. What well, do you want to talk about? Now that I can actually see you, you do look great. I'm a beautiful man. A little, a little gray around the edges, but yeah, hey, yeah. you know what? It's a good look these Silver days. Silver Fox. I got it going. Right <laughs> 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 on. Hmm. So what do you guys want to talk about? Martin, what do you want to talk about? Put me on the spot. I don't know. They, the course. What have you got planned? What do we have planned? Anybody got a plan yet? Oh, man. Three days of insanity is what's planned. Three and a half days. Three and a half days. Don't forget that half day on Sunday when everybody's a just going to be so energetic yeah. and ready to install this conference table. It's, it's going in this room, isn't it? Where we are. Right here on, you know. This is going to be gone. It'll be a less noisy solution to this table. Look, you looking forward to it? I am, man. I'm really excited. It's I've wanted to do a class out here in California for as long as I can remember. And never... I've always said, yeah, yeah, we should do it, we should do it, we should do it. We finally did it. Just finally, the it took 14 years. It's the first class you've ever done. Yeah, we've had, some, event, we've had some events here. Yeah. But, um, you know, shit show parties where we pour a lot of concrete pretty much yeah a lot of drinking and a little bit of concrete yeah which are fun yeah 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 Yeah. those weren't training those were just people casting concrete for fun yeah you did a green bathtub last time what'd you do i didn't do the green bathtub nathan Mm -hmm. hake did the green bathtub. yeah but it was cool i think it's still hanging in his yard is a sign. He has actually hung hung from his sign on the highway. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> As one does. Green yeah. bathtub, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. John, what do you got? Yeah, I don't know, man. I was just going to you, you've been out here for a few days. Yeah. Yep. Different from the UK. Any cool concrete-related things you've been seeing? Um, seen a wet cast, really old concrete sink in a, a kind of fish bar, fish restaurant. Seafood restaurant. Um, Red Lobster? Possibly, yeah. maybe, on San Francisco Bay. It's um, the best. The best yeah. in San Francisco. It was, oh, unfortunately, it been painted. <laughs> yeah. been painted to yeah. yeah. <laughs> I asked the, the one of the managers been there for 20 years, maybe longer. So a long time, but yeah, sadly painted it. So paint was peeling off. Topicals for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, All that and the embedded fish guts from yeah, the last 50 years. Yeah, <laughs> so went to Alcatraz. That was good. That was really fun. I really like history. So seeing the inmates, what they, you know, where they walked, where they sat, tried to escape from. Some did escape. It was pretty cool. 
So if you're into history, it's worth a trip. You've not been, have you, Joe? Yeah, uh, pathetic to say that I've lived here for my entire life and never been to Alcatraz. That was amazing. You know, one of the coolest parts, and you probably didn't get to do it, is there's tunnels under there. Yeah, they were closed. The first, it was, yeah, it was for the military. Yeah. Yeah, so there's tunnels underneath. And my son, I went there for, I don't know, seventh grade, something and something. Yeah. And we got in trouble because (laughs) it was me and him and one guy, and I'm, you know, supposed to be the proper chaperone. And I'm like, hmm. What's down here? Let's go down here, Did they ever let you on yeah. any field trips after that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we went down like, this is so cool. Yeah. And then, I don't know. We were probably about 50 yards into it. Hey, oh, you can't be down here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't see any signs. You mean the big sign that says do not, Look, do not enter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what I found interesting great. is the Indians that were there. So they occupied it for yeah, two years. Yeah, Alcatraz. Yeah. Didn't know that. So pretty cool. But yeah, it's been a nice trip. So nice and sunny. No rain. So, <laughs> and none in the forecast. Nope. Yeah, it's gonna be a great week here. Yep. What I will say is, before we move on, it's pretty surreal for me, genuinely, to be here with you three. So I've been doing this for nearly eight years. And you lot, I think three of you've been doing it for at least twice that length of time. So it's pretty surreal for someone from the UK to be here with you three. So I appreciate it. So thank you for asking me to come and help. However, that is. Thanks for coming yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Thank you, man. It's gonna be awesome. I'm super happy to meet you too. You've been doing great work out in the UK. <laughs> thank you. I try my best. Doesn't always go to plan. Ah. It's. Same for all of us. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> You're not alone. Good. <clears throat> Joe, do you have anything? I have anything? Man, I've just been cleaning the shop and casting like crazy. It's been an insane year. And just super excited to get to hang out with you all and uh, dig into this class for a nice change. It'd be like a vacation for me from the regular day-to-day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is boring. All right, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why we edit the podcast. Let's talk about sealers. (laughs) Yeah, let's get started in that. Mixed designs? (laughs) No, those are boring. Sealers. Well, we can talk about sealers in a second. Pricing concrete. I've had a few different topics pop up recently with people asking about pricing. Uh, Wanting to get ideas on pricing. I think that's an interesting subject we haven't covered in a while, is Mm -hmm. pricing. Joe. Pricing, California, where are you at? How do I price work? Yeah, how do you price work? Uh, We do it on a job-by-job basis. I really try to stay away from the square foot number because people are always so horrified by that, Mm -hmm. having heard other square footage numbers when they're doing, you know, getting bids from other people talking square foot a lot. So we really look at the job. We look at, you know, um, how much time. One of the things that's been getting us that I've really been trying to make up for in the last couple of years to increase profitability is uh, my personal time, which uh, when we're working with architects and interior designers uh, can get really eaten up before the job even begins. And mm. I noticed when we started looking at job reports and really collecting data on it and really... What do you tr- mean, like from phone calls and these kind of phone things? Phone calls, uh, you know... Meetings. Extensive shop drawing revisions. Yeah. You know, we'll submit and then get markups and then resubmit. And so hmm. I've now started changing how I do that. I've <clears throat> uh, charged for that on an hourly basis. And I'll a lot, you know, I'll say, hey, looking at this job, looking at past work, probably going to have 20 hours of time in this. That's what I'm allotting for this. That's what's going to cost. If you start going over that, I'll let you know, but it's going to be hourly and that's my billable rate. And it's actually started working out way better. 
for me personally, you know, I the agree. shop would do okay on the job, but <laughs> here I am working my butt off 10 hours a day and, you know, not, not seeing the benefit from it when the job's done and we're all paid up. And I found that that was the big spot where a lot of that was missing. Yeah. We quoted a fabric form sink recently, in fact, about eight months ago. Did the first set of plans on Adobe InDesign, just drew it in 3D and 2D, gave it to the architect, uh, basically a CAD drawing. And it's only a about four-foot sink. It's tiny. And I've had now eight revisions in this plan. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, and as you said, we learned on this job to charge for that time because that's been oh, multiple... It'll, it'll eat you alive. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple <laughs> emails, multiple plan revisions, multiple phone calls. I'm probably about 100 hours into this now, genuinely... So the money we were supposed to be making as profit on the sink is gone, if you look at it that way, because of the time it's taken me away from the workshop and actually away from other things. So, I think 100%. you have to look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah. really important to... Do you have any employees? You at have the moment, no, just, just me now. I, I pull in some labour when I need it. Uh-huh. So I've got a couple of friends in the UK, when I need them, I just give them a call and say, um, do you want to come and give me a hand? So they say, yeah. So At the moment, yeah, it's many me, so I'm running the pump on my own. As you know, is is good fun. <laughs> One man on the rim craft. Uh, yeah. Hats off. I want to see you do it tomorrow. I'll, I will do it. It's more than me. I've generally done it. So I think we usually are a three man crew. It's, it's easy. We... It's a, if it's a table more like this, it's it's fairly easy. Um, when you're doing something intricate and tight, it's not. As long it, as nothing goes yeah. wrong. You, you start. You start. I start kind of white and end up very dirty at the end of the day like I've been in a cold mine so so how do you bid jobs usually I mean you're looking at square footage or is it a per piece thing add-ons for sinks that type of thing yes we kind of have a square meter price so our square meter price is about a thousand a square meter at least for basic stuff which I think is about 150 170 a square foot around there but as you said it's it's a job by job basis 100%. 100%. Why do we bring the one guy that's like, you know, centimeters, meters, you know, the square somethings? <laughs> okay. Square meters, we nine ju- square feet, so a thousand <laughs> bucks is like got- 110 <laughs> is a it? square foot. Yeah, 110. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, that's our bare minimum. That gets you basic slabs. Um, but really from there, it's kind of way up from there. So we just quoted the next um, stadium football soccer plinth that we do where they put the statue on top. That came in at about oh, 4,000 a square meter. So whatever that converts to. So um, it's a lot of money for this plinth. So yeah, That's good. That's 410 a square foot. Yeah so, yeah, so so essentially for us, and we, we spoke about this recently on one of, on, on my forum, Man and Ashley's forum, and it was a case of for us, you can always come down from a price. You can never go up, mm-hmm. ever. Correct. I'd rather be 20 grand over budget and then come to us and say, can we re- decrease this by 5% or whatever, rather than being rock bottom, because where can you go from there? You can never go up. Um, so yeah, we'd rather be high and come down low. But well, as I was say, quickly, you guys were t- both of it touched on for just a second to begin with is, and we've talked about this, uh, Brandon and I specifically on many podcasts about all too often how we discount our time. You know, you, you just, oh, yeah. you don't, you, you're, we're running a business, whether you're a one man show or a five man show, or like you're saying, you know, you, you're putting in 10 hours, CAD drawings or submits and meetings and. And all too often, we're not accounting for that in your time. Yeah. You know, that's to me the number one. I I forget who I was listening to. Something about, you know, your average businesses. uh, I don't know, some some business guru and why within two years, most small businesses don't make it. 
And it was never about not having the overhead or, or never about not having the money in the bank. And so it's that you blasted through it. You discounted everything because you weren't thinking about it. And you ultimately go out of business because you find out how much work is truly going into it. And then at the end of the day, when you're barely eking out your bills, there's better th- There's other things to do. Ashley, yeah. it, from the beginning, Ashley's always been very good with that. Because my... My confidence in terms of pricing jobs, as you know, you think, mm, can I get, you said it with the al- aluminum, aluminum desk you did, that kind of confidence that you found out that was like 80,000. What were you call that? Alu- aluminum. We call it aluminum, you call it aluminum. Sounds cooler. <laughs> Sneakers, trainers, trash. Cooler. I've always liked yeah, it better. Aluminum. But um, <laughs> haven't having the confidence awesome. to say like, you know, the Leviathan, it's 50,000, 60,000. I think it takes, for me, it takes time to get there, to have the confidence to say, no, you're going to pay me for this. Otherwise, that's the price, go away. Ashley was always, you know, pushing me in that direction. She very much does all the pricing for the jobs. And I'll, even at the stadium plinth, I'll give her a price. And she's like, no, no, it needs to be more for X, Y, Z reason, whether it's meetings, whether it's a new plan, or we've done four of them now. And you always end up going to site a lot more than you think. So you may account for five site visits. It could be 10. So Ashley will add another five on. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I leave kind of. I give her a ballpark, and then we work out together. Then she basically, you know, <laughs> if I say it's going to take me hundred hours, say, yeah, it's going to take you three hundred hours, isn't it? It's like yeah, probably. Yeah, so, you need somebody there to yeah. check you on that, <laughs> and and double or triple it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, but that's generally how we price it: start high, come down, um, and then, in all honesty, in the UK, we kind of call it a. Um, I'm not going to say the word on, on the podcast. The C-U-N-T kind of price. CT tax mm-hmm. um, because you know yourself some jobs are just like compound curves cantilevers you know big spans and you think mm, there's a lot of risk involved so we kind of sometimes Jenny just pull a figure out of you know 100,000 150,000 out of thin air and just say there's the price if you wanted to do it you know pay us what it's worth so I think some jobs kind of merit that kind of approach you know personally we have the uh, San Francisco asshole tax <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Carmody had a great. Um, I think it was Michael Carmody had a great tax he put on. It was ten percent of the project. So say it's five thousand dollars. He'd add five hundred dollars to the project, and that was kind of the the pain in the ass tax. And if the project went off without a hitch, they didn't bug him. At the end of the project, he'd finish it. He'd install it. They loved it. They're like, "Oh, you're a hero!" And then, like a month later, he'd write him a letter and send him a check for five hundred bucks and said, "I di- I crunched the numbers on the project. We actually had less time in it than I anticipated. Here's a refund for five hundred dollars." Nobody expects you to send them money back, right? <laughs> Nobody expects it. But no. if they if they bugged them, if they like hounded them and they were difficult and you know whatever, he just kept it. It was it was the tax. It was built into the price. They accepted it in the beginning. Yeah. But uh, he added it to it. So I think that's a pretty smart thing to do. That's a great way to yeah. go. I like that one. What do you do for pricing then, Brandon? Uh, a couple things. I do square footage pricing personally. That's just how I arrive at my number. And the reason I do that is I like having a system and a reason for my number. So if somebody comes to me now or comes to me in six months, it's the exact same number down to the penny. I'll crunch the square footage. I'm bare minimum 135 a square foot. I'm more typically 150 a square foot because I'm not doing super basic things. I'm doing more complex. So I'm 150 a square foot for most things. And so if I calculate it and it's 27.7 square feet, 27.7 times 150, there's the price. Plus crating and freight, that's additional. That's my price. That's how I do it. But what Joe was saying is I do bill for my time. And so all the phone calls, all the shop drawings, everything like that, I'm billing a little over 300 an hour for my time. 
and I bill it in quarter hour increments. So I just keep track in my notebook here. I just, every time we have a phone call, I write down how long it was. And then uh, I send them a bill occasionally for that time. And everybody has been okay with that because they're architects and designers. They bill for their time yeah, same way. Yeah, I yeah. found it's not been a problem to do that. You know, I was always worried about it. And, you know, now I put it in there and I swear, it seems like I get more respect now. <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's kind of a weird thing. Well, confidence. And they value your time because they're paying for it. Yeah. So they're not just bugging you. They're not just calling you with every little thought they have. They actually have a reason. It hasn't phased most of them. No, no. <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing a project right now. Because uh, they're turning around and billing their clients for that time. <laughs> yeah, doubling it. Um, I'm doing a rammed earth project right now for some uh, tentative rammed earth project. But they're racking up a tremendous amount of hours and just calls, just questions, question after question after question. I'm, I'm building them for all of it, but uh, it's adding up to quite a bit. You yeah. have to, because at the end of the day, time is the only, you can't buy more time. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, mm. that, that time on a plan in the shop, it's time away from family. You know, and that's something I've been terrible at. I, you know, no shame in saying. I think in the beginning you have this kind of badge of honor, like I will work 20 hours in the shop. I'm there till four in the morning, go home for two hours, come back. I think we all, I shouldn't say we all do that. I did that in the beginning. And ultimately it's, it's for me, one of the biggest mistakes I made doing that. Because my son's with us now, you know, and getting to enjoy him on holiday and being able to switch off and be his father has been, I'll be honest, has been quite a difficult task. Because I think when you're so involved in your business, working in it and on it, you kind of figure out how to be a partner or a father. At least I did. Um, you know, ultimately seeing him grow up and being with Ashley, that's the most important thing. You know, not working on someone's sink or countertop or whatever fancy project we got going on. So, you know, you can't buy time. So, you know, understand that it's precious and don't waste it on things that you shouldn't be. Yeah, in no, my, in my opinion. And we've all been there, you know. And I find actually that I can be way more productive when I don't burn out like that and actually very consciously try to cut it off at four or five and go home and chill. Well, I'm listening to an audiobook. I was listening on the plane last night flying over here. And the guy starts out with a story, which you guys probably already heard the story, but he's, a, he's an American businessman down in Mexico on vacation and he buys some fish from a, a guy on the beach. And uh, the guy has three fish. And he's like, uh, why don't you buy a bigger boat, catch more fish? And he's like, oh, he's like, I sleep in late. I go out and I fish. I get home. I drink some wine. I go to town. I play guitar with my amigos. And a businessman who's, you know, gone to Harvard is saying like, well, you could buy a boat. You catch more fish and you can buy another boat. Then you can buy another boat and you can have a fleet. Then you can buy the cannery and then you own the whole thing and there's no middlemen. And then before you know it, you can move to uh, LA and then ultimately to New York and then you can take your company public and you could sell it and you'll make millions and millions and millions of millions of dollars. And uh, the fisherman's like, and then what? He's like, you can do whatever you want. You can sleep in late. You can go fishing a little bit. You can drink some wine. You can go and play guitar with your amigos. He's like, good day, sir. And he walks off <laughs> and it hit him that he was already living a dream. He had lowered his expectations of what he needed in life and he was happy with what he had. I think a lot of us are in that kind of uh, that hamster wheel of uh, work, 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 trying to attain something when you already have it. You know, you don't spend time with your kids, spend time with your kid. That's what you're trying to do. You don't need to work more to spend time with your kid. You need to spend time with your kid and work less. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. You fall into that trap where you think, if I work more, I'll have more time with them, and you have less. Dude, for years, I thought <laughs> if I worked more, I'll have more time off. It's the stupidest thing. You know, I, like, had all these different balls I was juggling. Uh, the good thing is I, later I can mute out your guys' microphones so you don't hear those noises and whatnot. Uh, you don't hear my... 
my nose breathing over here. Um, but I literally had this, like I was, that's when I launched, um, hard goods. I launched all these things. I was doing all these things. So ultimately I could work less by working more. Mm. And then the market crashed and my house went to foreclosure. I had a Porsche. I sold my Porsche. I had a BMW, BMW motorcycle. I sold my BMW motorcycle. I was living out of the loft in my shop. I had a Toyota pickup truck that was all beat up. I went to the beach every day. Or not the beach. I went to the gym every day. I laid by the pool. I worked out every day. And it, it hit me that the only way to work less is to work less. That's the only way you're going to work less. You're not going to work less by working more. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's kind of our mindset is we, we push, 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 hoping that someday we don't have to do what we're doing now when you don't have to do it anyways. The epiphany for me was then to work less, you need to charge more. That too. Plain and simple. I'd rather do one table a month for 20 grand than 20 tables a month. For one grand. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So ultimately that was the epiphany for me. So that was a big one. Way, way back when blue concrete and, you know, became Buddy Rhodes products in Georgia. Remember the, whatever, 6,000, 8,000 square feet that Sean Hayes had set up Mm -hmm. for Jeremy in there. And he was making all this furniture. And we, when I'd show up out there, I'm like, good Lord, man, you got to be making a fortune. And, but at the end of the day, he was slammed busy making nothing. And (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry, why are you doing this? Yeah. He was doing those wholesale accounts. He was going to, um, High Point, North Carolina, yeah. and selling these big contracts of, you know, 100 mm-hmm. tables or right. whatever. But his margin was so small. Slim. Yeah, yeah they didn't make nothing. anything. Yeah. If there's any mistake and you recast anything, you lost. Yeah. Yeah, wholesale is a quick way to make no money. My yeah. God, what a nightmare. When you start out, you see these big projects and you think, wow, it's cool. I, I want to do that. Like, again, like a badge of honor. I've done this crazy thing. And you soon do it and realize that, yeah, that was a waste of time. Yeah, you didn't charge enough. You didn't get enough out of it. And that, I mean, after blankety-blank years of doing this, when you've come through and evolved into that, that one of the hardest things to look back is sometimes I look back at my mom and, and think, like, how many times did your parents don't do this? Or, right, make sure you eat that. Or, man, you shouldn't be lifting that heavy. Someday you're going to pay for it. And you're like, ah, whatever, man. Right? And we beat our chest and we worked till 2 o'clock in the morning and we barely got done and this and that. And... One of the things that drives me, I shouldn't say nuts, but you just watch who's out there, read some of their stuff, listen to them sometimes. And I just shake my head because I'm like, yeah, so Saturday I went to a trap meet with my son. And then I'm going to go to a softball game with my daughter. And uh, I'm out of the shop by, you know, no later than three or four o'clock and sometimes by noon. And so those guys that are still pounding their chest, putting in their 14-hour days or 70-hour weeks, and I mean, and then they get mad at us, right? Screw those guys. Yeah. Those guys are jerks. Well, we talked about You'll it. be there, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we talked about the time savings. We're going to make this an infomercial for Kodiak Pro, by the way. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know. <laughs> but now you know. It's an infomercial. The infomercial. Uh, but one of the things that, that we really focused on with uh, Kodiak was just the ease of use and the speed. So Joe, who does a lot of sprayed, one of the benefits of our mix is you're able to spray and you're able to get on it. You're not waiting for hours and hours and hours and hours. But for me, I don't do that. I pour SEC, but I can cut bags, dump them in the mixer, mix, cast, and I can be in and out of my shop before lunchtime. I'm done. Like, I'm done. And, you know, we made a post about this and uh, people were like joking about it. Like, you know, I said, like, you know, I get to pick up my daughters from school. And for me, that's a great thing. People are like, oh, oh, it must be nice. I'm like, yeah, it is nice. It is nice. It is nice. Um, But we, we, that's all intentional. Speed is intentional. Uh, Ease of use is intentional. Um, 
you know, being efficient with our time because we all did the from scratch mix where, I mean, you're talking about, you had so much pride in doing your own mix forever and doing a bag mix seemed like a cop out. And, you know, you were kind of anti bag mix because all this pride. But once you got past that pride of I'm making my own mix, it just made so much more sense for your business from a profitability and time viewpoint. It made more sense. And knowing, you know, what was in it and who was behind it was, you know, a huge selling point for me too. You know, I didn't want to just, I wasn't just going to jump into it with anything because it wasn't the same. I I knew I could make a better mix than most bag mixes out out there. Once somebody actually started making a good bag mix, then, you know, hey, I get it. There's that too. There's that. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley. (laughs) All the landscape crews are coming it's coming, the same, coming home. It's the same for us. So um, people think me and Ashley are millionaires. We're not, you know, the same as you. We work hard, you know, we save money. You know, we don't go out very often. You know, we eat in, you know, we bulk cook food, et cetera, et cetera. So when, when obviously we wanted to bring this in and spoke to you both, this wasn't like we had like, oh, we had a hundred thousand pounds sat there. I was just stroking at night in bed, you know, Woody Harrelson, mm-hmm. you know, watching <laughs> yeah, my tears, yeah, drying my money. tears, yeah, yeah, tears of joy. And it was a case of we put our life savings into doing the first one you know, to bring over. And it's because of you know, both. And obviously because of this, you know, lunatic who's, you know, That's true. walking around with numbers and pie charts and, you know, Pythagoras <laughs> in his head. And so, uh, you know, joking aside, that's why, you know, and it's not because I made jerk and John off. Mm-hmm. It's purely because, you know, I know it'll work. And don't get me wrong, in the beginning, you probably had the saying, there's some learning curves because you're used to something you've done for, for us five, six years. And then this is a different beast in a way. You've got those, you know, little hurdles to jump over. But once you do, like you say, you can do things so much quicker. You know, I spray a lot too as well. So being able to hand pack a, I don't know, in inches, 400 mils, about that tall. What's that? I don't know. That's a lot. A lot, yeah. It's a lot of mils. Yeah, being able to hand pack an 18-inch edge in about an hour. Just literally walking, I don't know about you, Joe, but walking or spraying, walking, literally walking around the mould, hand packing on like, you know, half an inch at a time. By the time you've done one lap, it's ready for the next half inch and it's done. You know, whereas in the past, you know, yourself, you spray a bit, oh, I've got to wait for an hour, clean the pump out, you know. Oh, it could be brutal. With yeah. GFRC, you would wait hours. In the wintertime? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's oh, horrible. But you, yeah. you, you're training somebody or someone works for you and they're so impatient because they want to go home because it's a job. Next minute, they're slapping more on the mold and it's all and sinking. It's <laughs> you can just see the top of the form again. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. So, you know. I get it. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> sack the man yeah. so yeah well we we're, we're doing this class starting tomorrow and we have some people that have never done concrete coming never touched concrete in their life and in those instances i think they're better off than the people have been doing it for a long time because people have been doing it for a long time have habits established they have theories and uh workflows and whatever they they, they believe in something mm-hmm. and they have to unlearn that whether that's polymers needed or whatever it is they have to unlearn everything they've learned and it's easier for somebody that's coming in fresh and we say, here's the right way to do it. No, done. Easy. They're not fighting the old way. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, well you can. It takes a time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, having distributed it for a while now, the hardest job is getting people that have, trying to get people to change over rather than guys that are coming in going, hey, I've watched 100 YouTube videos and found Kodiak. Everybody says it's the best. That's what I want. How do I do it? Yeah, you know, and having them be totally receptive to everything I'm telling them, and they get it and run with it. Mm-hmm. Problem solved. You know? Easy. Yeah, they don't have any preconceived ideas. They don't have those. You know, I mean, we all did it. We all were so used to 
a certain consistency, a certain when we're mixing, what we're looking for. And then you try to do it with the Kodiak and it's a disaster because it's completely different. Yeah. And so, yeah, it takes a little while to unlearn the bad habits. Not necessarily bad habits, just to unlearn the things that our old mix did that this mix is different from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's different, for, you know, there's different thoughts about that. And I, and I hear them all. One of the one of the thought processes I often hear from somebody is, right, we, we teach you the whys, the whys. And then like, well, what are your whys? Some cement well, why, and sand? Do you, why do you learn from somebody that doesn't do this for a living, John? Well, maybe, but I'm and I'm not pointing this directly <laughs> oh, okay. at anybody, just in I general, am. you know, that. But at the end of the day, when you really talk to people, well, they want to run a business. And if your business is the chemistry of concrete, then I totally understand it. You know, talk about the different pozzolans and which one difference between metacalin and silica fume and whatever, you know, da 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 da. But it, how many people really want to do that? I want to make a vanity. I want yeah. to run a business. And my business isn't knowing every why. But then again, the other argument, yeah, but you know what? What if this mix doesn't do what you, you know, you don't need to know how to change it. Oh, stop it, man. What's your change? A little plasticizer, water at the yep. end of the day? Stop it. Um, most people, you want to run a business and you want to be profitable at the end of the day. You want to put in the least amount of time for the most amount of money. Yeah. That's the way it is. It's funny you say that. And it's funny you bring that up about somebody want to learn or teach the whys, right? And um, I saw a post recently of somebody promoting a DS301 polisher and saying, this is the Cadillac, the Rolls Royce, the gold standard of polishers. But this person who promoted this doesn't do this. You've used one. I, you I, owned one. I owned one. You owned one. Did you I have owned one? Them. I've used one. I've used a DS301. What, what, yeah. What's the general consensus of the DS301? I Garbage. Mean, I'm probably, yeah. It, it, I didn't like it. <laughs> Loud. Yeah. It was, it was, for me, it was very rattly. It, was, it wasn't it, smooth. It jumped around. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's, it's very, very crazy. crazy. It I, bounces. I'd imagine like trying to hold a raccoon or something. You know what I mean? In your hands yeah. and it's going to get out. <laughs> it was hard work. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. I bought one brand new. It showed up the platens, the things that spin, were all at different angles. They right. weren't flat. So I put the pads on. All I did was gouge the countertop. Just all these scratches. And I looked. I'm like, all the platens are crooked. And I called the company, Intertool. And I said, hey, guys, I just got this mixer, this mixer, this uh, polisher in today. And all the platens are crooked. And they said, send it back. We'll refund your money. I'm like, you don't want to send me another one? Uh, obviously, this one's defective. You don't want to send me another one? I said, no, no. We have no interest in sending another one. Send it back. We'll refund your money. Okay, fine. And that was my entire experience with that polisher. And that was it. You've got a Clindex UFO, haven't you? I've got yeah. a Hyper Grinder. Oh, my God. That is a Rolls Royce. That's, yeah. Yeah, that is. Well, and that, that's funny. You were talking about this for the moment. So I know what you were talking about. The hard, again, running a business, and I even posted this on one of the, the guy, Kevin McDonald, that we know, was asking. He was trying to decide, too. At the end of the day, I don't understand. Meaning that, when I look at that particular machine, nothing against Intertool, but the price point of that particular machine, to me, to spend three, $4,000 tells me that you want to run a business, right? Compared to, I mean, on Amazon and so forth, you see all these little three-headed kind of things, you know, five, $600 kind of thing. So I look at those, that five, $600 range maybe as the hobbyist or the person doing some knockouts, or, or maybe a side business to what they're doing, but they're not trying to run a business. So when I look at the experience I've had with the inner tools, 
versus the Clindex was, or the UFO, which is all of a thousand dollar more investment in your business. The headaches that I went through, the times that I spent fixing scratches, the, I mean, didn't you say every time you pulled it out, you guys knew? We joked. Yeah. It was just, it was literally a joke in our shop. This is a time when I had a guy, Billy and my brother working with me. If we had a project going that we knew we had to cut using that, we would all start basically like, you know, you're laughing, but you're pissed at the same time because you don't want to pull it out because you know, and that was our inside joke. We knew that tomorrow we were going to be spending the day you know, walking around the different angles, catching the light, finding where the swirls, where the scratches were. And it didn't matter how we did it. Even when we got into the acid wash, and remember that was one of the first things all of us started adding acid wash because man, it cleans up so much of that until it's that one, right? <laughs> one there, one over there. And then you spend the time fixing it, then trying to scrub it back out again. No, man, I, those, from my experience, are not a, not a worthy investment for someone trying to be a business. Well, the, um, before we quickly go off onto it, the, the hypergrind is the, to claim the extra zone by two brothers. One of them died. The other brother survived his son to the engineers. He fell out with his brother's daughters who got the company. He went off and started hypergrinder, took all the advancements to hypergrinder. And that's the one I have. And, um, I can't remember going with that now. I'm fiddling and running, telling me, oh, <laughs> I hear yeah. ADHD. I'm like this, moving around. Um, but yeah, um, awesome train of thought now. Well, so hypergrinder. Yeah, I haven't yeah. looked at the hypergrinder. Essentially, with that, that's what it is. I call it like an, an idiot proof machine. It is literally, you put it on the countertop, hold it, and then stand there, let the machine yeah. do the work. There's no thinking, there's no thought. That's that really big one, right? Yeah, you yeah. can't, you cannot do, I don't know about you, Joe. It's quiet. You, you can't oh, do anything, so you can't quiet. do it wrong, unless you're, you know, you hold it in one spot for three minutes. Or you get too close to the edge. Yeah, you go flat, yeah, it comes off, and you <laughs> oh, hold on to this thing, yeah. <laughs> but it ultimately, I've taken people to my shop that I've never used, you know, a wet polish, and I've said, right, polish that dining table, put it on, this is how you do it, 30 second demo, Keep moving as if you're mowing the lawn. That's what I tell them. You're mowing the lawn or you're hoovering the carpet. And, you know, they do just as good, good as a job as I do. Whereas if you get like a single head polisher and say, go and polish that table, you know, people are so impatient oh, all yeah. around. And at the end of it looks like it's too far. And yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And then they've gouged or they've <laughs> stood on the cable and the cable. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's an idiot proof machine. So it's an investment that if you have members of staff, especially, buy one. You will not regret it the first time you use it. The first square inch you use it on you'll realize it yeah money well invested especially yeah, I, think, I was at nathan more. hakes one time remember we were one of those um mendo, mendo mini? Mendo yeah mendo minis, minis. Yeah. and he had one i think he just got it or you know pulled it out for one project or something i'm like eh, nathan what, what do you think he's like oh, if i turn that thing on john you're gonna be buying one i'm like yeah whatever dude whatever turned it on and him and i carried on a conversation Tell me how you would ever do that with the other one. They are so, they're ridiculously loud. Those 301s, I mean, ridiculous. I mean, yeah. the, and that was the other joke I made when I was, it was no joke. So even though I'm in an industrial park where my shop is, when we ran that sucker, we had our neighbors come over and were closing our doors because it was it was killing yeah. them. They couldn't hear their music or whatever the case may be. Couldn't Those things, hear themselves think. They were, they were horrible. Plus the fact they're a bit like a tank, so they are not impossible. You'd never say it's impossible to break it, but, you know. You're talking about the... Uh, the hypergrind. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. talking about the 301. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. saying those in themselves are impossible to break, whereas mm -hmm. the DS-301s, I've heard stories of 
gone back every mm. six months. Or... They have a built-in self-destruct feature. That <laughs> I get in right well, about I was, three I months was, into it with every use. I was sending mine in every every probably every fourth or fifth use. I was sending them in, and I just thought it was the right thing to do because I. I was not the guy tearing it apart and re-greasing it all. And when it got to the point that even putting on the headphones, you heard it and it was killing you, that's when I'm like, eh, just pack it up, send it back in. But what never got fixed ever was the wobbly. We even put, this is horrible to say, you know, we'd put weights on it, right? Five pound or 10 pounds weight, hoping it would help a little bit. But heck no, man. No, so anyway, sorry. So anybody promoting those kind of things still tells me, one unfortunate major flaw, and that is people who are not using them. Well, lack of experience. Our, our slogan for Concrete Design School is the difference is experience. Yeah. And the difference in the advice that we give is we've actually used the tools that we talk about. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, the, uh, the 301 is, in my opinion, not worth the money. So no. Each to their own. End of the day, people still want to spend the $1,000 less on it than knock yourself out, you'll soon regret it. So especially if you see a, a Clindex or a Hypergrinder in action, you yeah. wish you spent an extra $1,000. And like you say, if you're running a business, at the end of the day, $1,000 in a business is nothing if you're running it, if you're trying to run a successful business anyway. Agreed. So. Well, it seems like the terrazzo looks are coming around again. They are, right? Man. I'm starting to get <laughs> you know, asked about cutting, them again. Cutting, and, and so it, I guess that maybe that's why this conversation has become, you know, more the forefront again, because honestly, I... Maybe it's because of me personally wanting to get rid of mine. I just figured out <laughs> no one's using those things anymore. I don't even know if Tinder Tool was even still in business, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I figured that was one of those products that came out back in the day. It was the only thing available, so that's what we used, and it just was. Once the Clindex and those things came out, and you know, most of us all figured out the other ones were rubbish, if you're going to do any kind of grinding, that was the way to go. That's like the um, that backer gun that everyone keeps showing. Is it the Benron? I think you mm -hmm. call them here. You know, people keep ask, asking if this is worthwhile, and, and I keep saying no. If you're going to buy a backer gun, don't know about you, or the Rimcraft back hopper. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, the Benron is horrible. Yeah. I bought one, I, yeah. I sent it back. <laughs> Atrocious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, that's a kind of thing. If people are recommending it, saying you know, or buy one from Home Depot or whatever, all the same. They obviously don't have the experience of using one. That Benron was awful. Yeah. Whereas the Rimcraft does exactly what it should do, you know. But that's a frame of experience. You yeah. have to you have to know one and know the other. If you don't know, then they are all the same. Yeah. Nothing's different. Yeah. You don't have any any frame of reference. Yeah. Absolutely. What's your opinions on uh, Terrazzo? I'll tell <laughs> I'll tell you my opinion. I think it's on the way out, and the reason is, all the trends, they they come on and they're super popular, and then they become extremely popular. And then you see them in McDonald's, you see them in Starbucks, you see them in Circle K, you see them in gas stations, and then you know the it's, sure on the, sign it's on the outs. It's on the outs with designers. It's on the in with the general consumer, mm -hmm. but the tastemakers, the designers that are doing the brand new hotels, brand new restaurants, brand new stuff, they're at that point they're moving on to the next thing. And I'm seeing Terrazzo everywhere now, everywhere. It doesn't matter. Um, Where did I go this morning? I went to Starbucks this morning. And in the bathroom, they have a terrazzo-looking sink in the bathroom. It's not real terrazzo, but it's it's like a solid surface, but it looks like terrazzo. Jasmineite or something like that, is it? Yeah. Yeah. But at the point you're seeing it in the Starbucks bathroom, <laughs> it's kind of like live-edge slabs. I started seeing those in Starbucks at the really? order counter. They're fake live-edge. You're taking a hollow core door, and they're gluing bark to the edge. They actually cut the side <laughs> of a tree. And it looks 
it looks pretty darn real. Yeah. Like from five feet away, you're like, oh man, they put some money on this yeah. Starbucks. And you get up to it and you're like, I see what they did. They glued bark to a, to a hollow, hollow core door and they stained it. Um, but I started seeing that in Starbucks, I don't know, two or three years ago, the, the live edge slabs. And now I'm seeing terrazzo. So in my opinion, not saying don't do it because there's customers that want it and you know, that kind of thing. But in my opinion, I think that trend is on the decline right now. It's a lot of work. It's a lot it's of a work lot, yeah. to grind down to get. To it's get a durable finish, though. That's what it I like about it. It is a durable finish. finish. Remember Vitrazzo? My, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still have one of those. 15 years ahead of their time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, until all the, you know, free money ran out. Yeah, but my point is, had they done that now, they would have been tremendously successful. Mm. You know, for people who don't know, Vitrazzo was this exposed glass terrazzo finish where they took all this recycled glass and they were green. And this was during the whole... The green revolution. Yeah, yeah like 2006, seven ish yeah, Throw remember. enough money at it and you can be green. Everything yep. was sustainable. <laughs> you know, you go to Home Depot and they'd put a green leaf on sustainable. So like a paintbrush had a wood handle, had a green leaf on the label yeah. because it was wood. That's renewable. <laughs> the one with the plastic handle had a green leaf on the label because we don't use wood. We don't cut down trees. We use yeah. plastic. Everything had a reason for being sustainable. They, they all had the story. Um, but Vitrazzo came out during that time frame, but Terrazzo wasn't in fashion at that point. And so they were just ahead of the curve. Well, with that, when I first started out, I got asked for Terrazzo a fair amount back in that time. And then it yeah, just I completely went but away. But that was, that was people for concrete. And now it's suddenly re reappeared. Mm. But that was concrete clients. I'm saying the general consumer didn't yeah. know what Terrazzo was. That was just... Designer, yeah, people that want a concrete, but now everybody wants terrazzo. You know, yeah. I see it everywhere, everywhere. So again, for me, at the point you see it everywhere, you probably don't want to be. You, you don't want to build your business on that at this point. Yeah. So in, in the UK, terrazzo is. So when we go and take the supermarkets, your Home Depot versions, um, your hardware stores, that's on the floor in little tiny mini tiles, whether it's vinyl or just jasmineite or some whatever. But that's been there since the seventies. So for me, whenever I see Terrazzo, I just imagine these really shitty-looking floors. So hmm. that put me off instantly because it just looks old to me. Yeah, but that was linoleum in the U.S., linoleum. Yeah. Like real Terrazzo was being done 100 years ago. That's beautiful. Yeah, and it still exists, and it's still durable. Yeah. You see some of the old hotels that had the Terrazzo floors the and stuff? The Mother of Pearl and all oh, the stuff they beautiful. polished out. Yeah. yeah. That's authenticity, though, isn't it? It's like the same with marble, like, you know, marble statues and marble things have been around for centuries you know and nowadays you see the quartz marble and it's it's absolutely terrible so you know it's just authenticity you know beautiful old terrazzo compared to the cheap shit that we see you know in the last few decades so yeah so i got a question for the table as we're talking about concrete and we don't have to get into sealers and everything but you know we were bringing up about maybe their stuff bending or what is your guys's thoughts on innovation in this in in this little market segment moving forward what's your thought process pro or con good or bad it doesn't matter you know of materials and innovation moving forward good thing bad thing i think it's a good thing why, why wouldn't why, it be why would it be a bad thing yeah. well that's the that's the million dollar question because everybody's like change is bad right yeah we don't need this all we you go to Home Depot, they got Portland in sand. You don't need this UHPC. That's as people that try to. We hear that a lot. Well, yeah. one thing it, it, I was thinking about while you were mentioning uh, what Creek Collective, I think you said, or, or whoever they are, is one of the large, if not the largest company precasting in Australia 
went out of business not long ago. And one of the reasons they went out of business is because of the materials that we're using. Cracking curling, yeah. Yeah, finally mm. reached a point where, let's say, you know, what they had to fix was no longer profitable for, for their business versus what they were putting out. You know, it finally reached that moment where, you know, the, the tsunami hit them, it is, and they had to walk away. And I was thinking about that. I actually had a conversation with, it's like one of those, com you know, on a forum page. I didn't know who it was actually at the time, but a conversation about that in innovation, and they were strongly against it. Because like, whatever, man, like, you know, a mix is a mix. Cement, cement, sand, it should be simple, right? Even when, like, you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, man. If we don't innovate to the point that we can cast things that remain flat, we talked about speed earlier that I can cast on one day, turn, flip, you know, control our curing environment, maybe seal on day three, turn around and be profitable. Then where does innovation fit in this industry? Well, it's, for me, it's kind of a silly thing to suggest because if innovation isn't important in concrete, then why do we move on from horse and cart to a motorized vehicle? And why did we not then stay a Model T? Why, well, did, why, why are they using GFRC? Because they're all using GFRC, but they're using a basic GFRC mix. And right. they're saying you don't need a high-performance mix. But the question, you make a good point. Why did you change a GFRC? You were using QuickCrete 5000 when you first started. Yeah. Why did you move to GFRC? Well, because I could do thinner. I could cast more complex shapes, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so there was a reason to move to the next level. But now you think that that level is good enough, and there's no reason to move to the next level. But there's a whole other level above GFRC that we were doing 20 years ago. You know, there's a, a completely different paradigm of concrete once you make the, the shift. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it. So bathtubs in the UK, I refuse to ever touch them because I'd seen the nightmare. I won't mention company names, but there's some very big companies in the UK that ship all over the world. These are big companies. I'd heard the horror stories about bathtubs they'd done. Cracking, mm. you know, basically people to the point where... I've heard stories that, and seen actual evidence that people would be running the bath, go to another room, all of a sudden hear the almighty pop, come back in and all the water's on the floor where the bath is literally just blowing a big hole in it or cracking. It's, it's always been there, the crack. They've never seen it. All of a sudden, there's just enough pressure. It's gone. Yeah. So they come in water on the floor. I've heard horror stories about that. you know. Hmm. And for me, it's it. I'm never doing a bath. And obviously then when you mentioned to me Maker's Mix at the time because Rad Mix didn't exist, it was like, hmm. Maybe this is the way, and it's one of the first things I asked you. Mm -hmm. What do you think this would be like with, you know, constant, you know, changing in, in heat? Because if you've got, you know, room temperature and then you put hot water, because, you know, as much as we can say to a client, make sure you turn the hot and cold on, you get a lovely warm up. People aren't going to do that. So turn the hot tap on, whoo, steam coming out. My question to you was, how will this mix cope with that, you know, instant change? And then testing it from there and the test confirm what you'd said to me. And that kind of gave me the confidence to start doing bathtubs. So... You know, because of that innovation, I'm able now to offer a product in the UK that was not fit for purpose and people are actually put off it because of the problems that they'd seen or heard of. So, you know, I don't know about you, Joe. Hey, fighting an uphill battle there and then having to cover up for all that, you know, fight against that company's horrible reputation. And I Absolutely. don't know how people put that stuff out and still get up and do it again the next day and ship another one. Oh, well, it won't crack next time. You know, it's only been 5% of our product or whatever. It's insane. It's funny. I, it never occurred to me that I would have a massive failure of a tub 
I've built a few now, and clients love them. Yeah. Never been an issue. Well, the funny part about that, unless I'm missing it, is to me, those were the situations that were often touted as the strengths of putting a polymer in your mix, right? Glue, putting glue in your mix. It's going to hold it all together. You know, it's going to, you know, I don't know, let's call it a, a security or a safety measure, right, for bonding everything together. And there's times when I just want to be, even for myself, the epiphany to walk away from it uh, back when was like, wow, what does it take for people to figure out that's not the answer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. While yeah, some people know. are still touting it, yeah, right? All the benefits, the this and that. And then, like you said, well, how many of those bathtubs loaded up with polymer? <laughs> what was the, Was it the sand that failed? <laughs> you, know what I, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, so what part and of that? And they go out of business and somebody else comes in and does yeah. the same goddamn thing. Yeah, you know, it's pretty one crazy. One that puts way more emphasis on marketing than they do on actually dealing with their product. Yeah. You know, so they're getting out there in a big way, which is really troublesome for the rest of us. We spoke on the podcast you and I did together. The friend of mine in the UK, he wanted—I don't know if you listened to it, John or Joe—he won a job that was worth you know nearly half a million pound, based on the fact that his it's product like ten bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seven salmon's one of you. It's yeah. over here. But he won that job based on the fact that the designer put his sink next to the sink of the competitor, and the the owner of the complex walked in and said. This is beautiful. I'm looking forward to having these on display. To which the designer said, that's not your sink. You've chosen this one. And he's like, no, I'm having that piece of shit. Yeah, no, I've done you know? And that was purely, and whether people want to believe this or not, and I know there's certain people listening to this saying, oh, you're full of shit, Martin, you're lying. Whether they want to believe this or not, they chose his product based on the fact that it looked better than this. And it's got his rad mix. Yeah. Well, they chose the product. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't choose the marketing. They didn't choose uh, the sales pitch. Mm. They, they chose the product. Yeah, it's got to be yeah. side by side. There was no comparison. Yeah. Uh, you know, the example I said to you on the podcast is a, a kit car Ferrari and a real one. If you separate them in one street to another, oh, they all look the same. You put them together. They're not the same. You know, right. you drive them, you get in them, you experience them. They are not the same. You know, we're bad mix. You knock, on the t you knock on it and it sounds like glass, you know. Completely different. Yeah, they're yeah. different animals. No question about it. You know, you're talking about the cracking and this is irrelevant, but it's still a uh, it's still relevant to the story. And Buddy Rhodes, this is before GFRC, so this is the old Buddy mix, which doesn't even exist today. Because when John, when Buddy Rhodes was bought by Blue Concrete, John reformulated the mixes at that point. So then they they changed, but the old 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 Buddy Rhodes mix, the original Buddy Rhodes mix, Buddy made a bunch of sinks in California for schools, public schools, in, in San Francisco, and the sinks were all cracking, and water was tripping through. And so he started fiberglassing the bottom of all the sinks when he cast them. So he'd cast a sink, expect it to crack, and they just fiberglass on the concrete, just really create a shell that they left. So when it cracked, the water wouldn't come through. And it's like, but why not just fix the concrete? Why not, why not fix whatever's going on? Because back then it was a super, I don't know what kind of clay was in it, but yeah, I'm sure you do. But it, it was a, a mix that shrank a lot and had a lot of instability as far as curing and whatnot. Um, yeah. Yeah. People don't believe me when I, I, I don't know you, Joe, again, I reference to you because I know you, you know, probably more of it than I do, but in 14 months, however long Radmix has been around for, people don't believe when I say I have genuinely not made or recast a project because of the mix. Yeah. There's been two projects I've remade. One, because I fucked up the engineering, completely put it in the wrong place, wasn't thinking, going through a bad time at, at the time. And the other one was because I, um, uh, 
someone who's helping me put the wrong colour on the mix. That's it. It's not, I've not had to remake as a curling or shrinkage cracking or map cracking or whatever. And I get, sometimes I get a bit frustrated that people don't believe me and think I'm just a salesman. I'm just trying to sell the product. Hmm. And it's like, well, no, I do this for a living. I'm trying to make it easy for you, not just myself. Why is that, why is that so hard to believe? Yeah. I, I, you spoke before about things making sense to you. One plus one is two. I'm the same. Why, why do you believe I'm trying to force you to buy something? If you don't want to buy it, then don't buy it. That's your choice. Yeah. I'm just trying to tell you what's worked for me. And the thing is, and while we're on this subject now, I have always done this since the day I started doing this in this industry. I was a bit green and stupid, and I shouldn't have given out some of the advice I did. I hold my hands up to that. But I've always tried to make things easier and better for other people, no matter what product I was using. Well, you could have made it easier on my listening if you... Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that's all <laughs> I've tried kidding. to do is, is, is make things easier. And because I now use this, this is the easiest way. You know, it's no, no more complicated than that, you know. Someone said to me yesterday that you two are my bosses. And I was like, oh, right, okay, that's news to me. Hey, can you give me a coffee real quick? Yeah. I'm actually, uh, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. yeah, run out and make me a sandwich. Seriously, yeah. no, seriously, <laughs> I, I could use a coffee. Which yeah. <laughs> um, is just, just baffling, you know. I'd... Well, it is, but at the end of the day, I mean, here we're talking about materials. and If you like it, and then you're carrying it and selling it, you're always going to have a group of individuals that are going to want to, for whatever reason, it's their own personal reasons, to diminish your value, maybe in hopes of building their own. I don't know. But I know since we started, the message has always been about just getting it out, yeah. getting the message out because, hey, look, this is something we're doing, you know, something that's now moved me to a new level. Are we excited about it? Yep. I'm excited about it. I'm still excited about it. I'm still excited about innovating. As probably the four of you guys, or three of you guys, Ashley's in there somewhere running around, get tired of my midnight phone calls that I didn't know was midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so woke me up a couple of times. Oh. Your phone's ringing. I'm like, who didn't ring me at one o'clock in the morning? It's John. Right. John, uh. yeah. What time is it? I don't know, man. The only time you call me at this time <laughs> it's an emergency or something wrong with your kids. Is I that told what you, you, that. you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, John kept calling. It, he was so excited about something. This was a long time ago. It was like six months ago, eight months ago. My, I kept muting the call. John, mute it. John, mute it. John, mute it. And like I'm holding like a crying baby, <laughs> screaming. It's like eight, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. John, mute it. John, mute it. I finally pick up like, what the fuck do you need, dude? He's like, man, listen to this. Oh my god, <laughs> I did a, I did a point two seven. Oh, it flowed beautifully. I'm like. <laughs> Don't ever call me 10 times in a row. I'm in my shop in my underwear. <laughs> I'm like, if, if you call once and I send it to voicemail, don't call me back, all right? I'm busy. Oh, okay. I was like, if you call me that many times, I assume it's like catastrophic. He, he didn't listen. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I didn't listen. Yeah. Yeah. No. The thing but, is, go ahead. No, I was going to say, the thing is, well, it's on that. We talk about, you know, we're in this as a business, you know, not just going to be able to make concrete. For us, we were shipping it to the UK to use anyway you know, made sense to just sell it as well. Sure. You know, what what's wrong with that in terms of a business aspect of it? And we're in business to, you know, make things easy for ourselves. You know, what what's what's the problem? You well, know? The problem is you still haven't got that coffee I asked for like two months ago. Hang <laughs> <laughs> on, you didn't click your fingers. Ashley. <laughs> Whatever. People like John said they they wanted to mesh. It's funny that we talked about it and we talked about this before about if you say something's the best, people are like, oh, oh 
can't believe saying, you said it's oh, the best. Oh, then you're saying I'm, I'm bad. I'm like, no, no, no. no. It's just a, a different level that you probably haven't experienced as a frame of reference, right? And so we, we've been working on some new, uh, new slogans, and one of them is uh, made better to make better. Made better to make better. And actually, I think it came from somebody John was talking to that uses Kodiak, and, and they were saying, like, they're able to make better now mm-hmm. based on, on the mix. And um, I told John, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have, have our designer do some stuff. And John's like, well, I mean, you think people are going to get upset about that? I'm like, yeah, but it's true. <laughs> right. we, you're you're going to make better by using products that are made better. It's just the yeah. truth. I mean, it's, it is what it is. So yeah, but My thing always is, again, someone said yesterday that ultimately they're sick of hearing about it. I wonder if they, Kodiak, I wonder if they get so annoyed at Home Depot advertising all the time or, you know, CBS or pharmacies. Do they get so angry that all these other companies are saying how great their products are? You know, are they, do, you know do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, but as somebody that I, I get sick of false advertising, like false bravado. And if you ever go to World of Concrete, everybody has the best sealer, the best. Hey, young man, have you seen our sealer today? It's the best ever, blah, 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 blah. And, and it's all from people that don't do this. They're salesmen. They're salesmen just pitching a product. And you know it is. And it makes you feel dirty. And you feel like these guys are just sleazy, used car salesmen. But the difference between us, you sell the product, you sell the product, I sell the product, you sell the product, is we use the product. We're not salesmen. Mm. We're actual makers. We're actually craftsmen. They've been doing this for a long time. And so for us, we get very enthusiastic about the product because yeah. we have seen the difference. We, there is a frame of reference. We know hot because we know cold. We know that this is better or the best because we've used these other products and we know what they do and we know what this does. And so we get excited and we're like, oh, it's the best. And people are like, how dare you, sir? How dare you? And you're like, I'm just, I'm telling you, man, like, try it. Just try it. Like, get past the point that we're saying it's the best because it is, but get past that point and try it have a frame of reference. And that's what I encourage people. And I get, I I have had people kind of call me up or text me or message me or whatever, and kind of have a negative uh, viewpoint of our perspective that our product is the best product. But I just tell them, try it. Call Joe Bates. He'll sell you a pound of it. If you want a pound, call Joe Bates, get some of the mix, cast it and see for yourself. Then let's have a conversation. Cause until then you don't even know what you're talking about. You're, you're getting upset about something that you don't have any frame of reference to get upset about. Oh, now a lot of people that have been doing this for 10, 12 years, you know, they've been sold a bill of goods, the same bag mix over and over and over again. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. same shit. Yeah. I mean, it coming in out, like, they've changed nothing. Yeah. You know what this I mean? This company to that company so that company. So for them, I mean, I get it. It's yeah. hard. It's hard to go, you know, we really did do something different here. It's, yeah, it's based on something totally different. Yeah. What? No, that can't be. Well, know, there's toll blenders what is out there, there. You know, There's toll blenders out there that Martin could go to them today. Hey, I want you to, to bag a mix for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, have, uh, we have cement. We have sand. We can do something really simple for you. Yeah, we put together a mix. Let's call it this. Let's call it Excalibur's, you know, golden sword mix. Great. Let's put a label on it. Let's sell it. And you come out, hey, guys, it's the best mix ever. And then, like Joe said, you get it, you're like, oh, man, it seems just like that other mix I used from that company. It seems Because it is the same. It's the same company that's putting it in the bag. They're just putting a different label on it. Mm. So, yeah, there is a lot of that in industry as well. And I get it. I get it. It is what it is. Uh, anything else? See, well, I still smile and get giddy what we did a day, just today. Those, you know, I look forward to yeah, me too, yeah. pulling those out yeah. today. With the, what do we, I mean, what are you calling that? I call it a dry, dry, dry rammed concrete. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I've been wanting to do that with Rad Mix for that a long so time. Awesome. Finally, it's like, hey, we got an excuse for making a piece for ourselves. I want to do something really cool yeah. on this. Yeah. And you the change The versatility three of that is insane. Yeah. Change what three things, well, change 
one thing really. You know, I don't know if you want to give away what you've done, but you change one thing and slightly alter the water. Yeah. Well, if somebody wants to. I mean, we're, we'll definitely. I mean, that's the thing. We're not secrets about any of this stuff. We'll put the information out there. I'm bleeping all this, by the way. When I when I yeah, put right. this, <laughs> <laughs> everything John just said. <laughs> I'm going to edit this podcast. Take this whole section out. <laughs> Ten minutes long. <laughs> all you have to do is call me. Call me. Yeah. I'll tell you exactly what it is. What mic are you? Let's see. John, it, which mic are you? It's just, uh, okay. John's mic's off there. Yeah. Talk, John. <laughs> is that your mic? Yeah. Is that, I don't even know. I still hear me. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. John's off now. That's okay. <laughs> but I'm the same, yeah. Looking forward to seeing it and because you're changing two very small things well the thing about yeah the thing about rad mix is it is so versatile something that we haven't talked a lot about we're going to talk about it in this class somewhat but it is so versatile and it's versatile beyond concrete so i do rammed earth it's on one of my businesses is rammed earth and uh with rammed earth typically we use just straight portland cement to stabilize it so we're doing anywhere between two percent to ten percent portland cement based on weight uh to stabilize and the higher you go, obviously, the higher the, the compressive strength. But we're going to max out typically 3,000 PSI, which is great. I mean, that's traditional concrete. And any civil engineer, structural engineer is going to be super happy with 3,000 PSI. They're going to be like, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's fine. It's 18-inch thick wall. You're 3,000 PSI. Awesome. But I've been working on some designs for some architects that are very, very complex. They're tapered walls that taper to pretty much a knife edge. Uh, they curve. They lean outward. So they're very, very... Uh, different for rammed earth and we've used rad mix for the for the stabilizer and we're hitting 12,000 psi with rad mix as the stabilizer which is insane for rammed earth you don't you don't hear 12,000 psi with rammed earth um so yeah so i, I think rad mix has a lot of versatility beyond just a concrete countertop oh, i think we're just touching the tip of the iceberg with it you yeah know, mm -hmm. i really do I mean, we've we've been able to do some total sand replacements of some of our older sands from older mixed designs and match our old stuff and all dolomite, you know, mm -hmm. bring back some of those beautiful exposed looks that we, you know, really couldn't do before, you know, with the ECC ad mix and stuff just didn't handle it that well. You really had to play with it to get it right. And now it's, <laughs> I think you could probably just take cement and rad mix and cast it and get <laughs> something that <laughs> No, you could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what are you guys excited about this class? What do you want to get out of it? What do you want to get out of it, Martin? Why'd you come? Obviously, other than to meet you all, it's networking. It's because seeing, for me, I think when you're in your shop, especially when you're on your own, you get so involved in what you're doing and how you think and how you problem solve that you kind of sometimes miss the woods of the trees and either overcomplicate things or oversimplify. Mm -hmm. So just being in the shop with, you know, Joe's shop, you guys, the people that are coming, seeing how they think, learning from them, that's one of the main reasons we wanted to come, you know, absolutely, because you only have, you know, one set of eyes, you know, and as they say, you know, two hands are better than one, you know. For me, that's why I wanted to come, see the shop, see Joe, see how he works, see how you work, see how other people think, and then take that back with me and, you know, and see what I can uh, do in the UK with it. So, um, yeah. What about you, Joe? Oh, man, it's just being around everybody again. You know, I miss the old epics and stuff. Even though it's a more formal class setting, I really just look forward to the social aspect of it the most and talking to people and talking shop. Mm. That's really just my favorite part of it all. Well, like a, what about you guys? I'm just thinking about what you said. Two hands are better than one. 
Well, if well, you've only got one hand, <laughs> and you lose one hand. Yeah. In the I land, butchered that saying. <laughs> in the land of amputees, the one-handed man is king. Yeah. Yeah, that's the UK. Doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> that's the UK, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's from, uh, I think it was from that movie, uh, Denzel Washington. What was that movie? Um, Training Day? No, it was good. It was like post-apocalyptic. Oh, uh, the Book, Book of Eli. Of Eli yeah. Book of Eli, Book yeah. Eli, yeah. yeah. In, the, in the land of the blind, one in, one-eyed man is king. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, what I'm, what I'm looking forward to is, A, it's a whole new class. So it's a whole new format. And normally we're doing three different projects, three different trainers, two days each, and it's like rapid fire. And it's, it's you know, intense. This is more, I've said it numerous times, it's more of a deep dive. So we're able to really go in depth. We're going to have much more in-depth conversations, much more in-depth Q&A, and we're going to do something much more ambitious. And we're going to see the final product installed. We're going to have it sealed. It's going to be here. It's not going to be a sink that's sitting on a sawhorse in my shop. It's going to be this beautiful big table. So for me, that's exciting. And another thing is we have a bunch of alumni. I mean, we're nearly sold out. We, we were extremely close to selling out, but we've had a few people had to uh, move to the next class. Um, but we, I wouldn't say most, but more than half of the attendees are alumni, which is amazing. So these are people that we know. These are people that have been to previous classes, sometimes two, three, four classes. And so they're friends now and uh, they're familiar faces. So I'm really looking forward to just spending time with a lot of awesome people. Next three and a half days for me are just going to be a good time to, to uh, I hate the Christian term, but fellowship. It's just like a, a, a time to get to hang out with like-minded people. That's, that's great for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of like you. Though. My big part is it's getting me out of my shell. I get so used to doing my thing my way, and then we're going to come down here, like even today, casting those things, you know, in a totally different environment, in a totally different way. You know, you feel like a fish out of water at first. I'm like, Joe, do you have a hose over here? Hey, man, where's this? You know, but then you get into this groove. And, and so we're going to be doing something that I don't normally do in my shop. And it totally different. I was just at Mike Wellman's a minute ago. That's, I think I was telling you about it. And the coolest thing about going down and hanging out with him for a few hours, we were sealing some stuff, is it forced me to use different applicator you know it told me and based on his environment so to me that spins my wheels to be like oh yeah i mean that's what i enjoy i really enjoy that end of it coming out of your comfort zone and that's the other thing about this project but i mean we don't know what we're doing because we're going to all design it tomorrow ultimately making someone it's so ballsy unique for me i don't know about you some of the custom jobs we've done some of the big things as much as i hate doing them when I'm in the middle of doing them, when you stand back and think, fuck, made that, you know, we, we did that. For me, especially when you've got designers and architects and you go, look, this is what we did. You know, it's kind of like a selling point for me in the UK, you know, some of the crazy, stupid things you've done. For me, seeing what we're gonna create in this, you know, ballsy thing, for me, that's quite, yeah, I mean, you do some crazy things, Joe. Just you still another get day at the office, man. See <laughs> <laughs> that table with one hand tied behind my back. Blindfolded. With a one-hand man. <laughs> do you ever? Because I haven't released it yet. I'm looking forward to, when I get in my shop, that, that very curl in your chair with the bronze base, right? When I first made the very first one out of that mold, I sat there, I called Aaron, I'm like, hey, I'm done. She's like, when you coming home? I'm like, I'll be home soon. I shut the lights off the shop, and I really literally stood there for probably an hour and just looked at it. I was just like, it just blew my mind. I loved it. 
And uh, that still happens from time to time where you cast something and you're just totally in love with it and you don't do it for the money. I mean, the money pays the bills. You have to make money to, to live in the world we live in. But I don't, I don't do this for the money. The money is just secondary to what we do. I do it because I love it. I like, I legit love creating new things. And this table, you know, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. I think it's something that when we're done, the attendees are going to have that same moment of like looking at it really just in awe that they made that. Yeah, yeah. getting to come up with this design, you know, for me, which something we rarely ever seem to get right? to do. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. taking the time the last two weeks to just tear apart our office and finally make something decent that I actually want to show up to work in every day. I just get depressed at how dusty it is. I'm like, God, <laughs> I hate this place. Yeah. So it's been a great excuse to just totally uh, tell all my clients <laughs> talk to him in a month yeah yeah well that's liberating <laughs> take some as well. time for myself yeah. i've been renovating my shop in wichita and uh, everything's just on the back burner i haven't done any client work in i don't know how many weeks now it's been quite a while months now um client work keeps coming in i'm given an indefinite indefinite timeline at the moment because i'm explaining to him that we're renovating a shop and and uh, i have other things in the queue but um yeah it's nice it's nice to to focus on your own thing for a minute and get it done so yeah it's a good feeling yeah. Anything else? Let's, let's go out in the shop and get it done. Yeah. Nah, let's go get a whiskey. Yeah, let's go get something to eat. <laughs> You're hungry again? <laughs> as long as it's cake involved. You only have two tacos. Brandon eat the whole burrito. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, this is a good podcast. We went on an hour and 10 minutes, so uh, I say we wrap That's it fun. up here. Mm-hmm. All Sounds right. good. good All right. Thanks for listening. Adios, amigos. Adios. Later. <laughs>